Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? I'm good, Adam. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. I'm two oh. days away from turning 25. Yes. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the uh, the debut of the co-own series. I liked it. Some, some were, this, this, okay. Some were complaining that it was too short. I'm like, well, what do you expect? What do you think? We're just going to. We're speculating. Our... For, we're speculating for an hour. There's only so much speculation that we can talk about. What do you think? We're going to like give you our entire draft strategy, like even more so than we already did. Pretty much. We're already putting ourselves at a disadvantage by giving mm-hmm. away what we're going to what like what we're thinking about doing. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's going to make it even better when we win when we win the whole damn thing at the end of the season. Facts. People knew what we were going to do, and we're still going to win. And we're still the champion. Yeah. Le champion de Cologne. That was like we, a mix of French, Spanish, and English. I'm cultured. Okay. Franklish, I think, is what we're going to call that. Franklish. Yeah. Franklish. Sure. Sure. Anyway. sure. So, uh, big news and notes week like a really big news and notes week, because now that, you know, we're having legitimate practices. Now we have legitimate injuries because that's what always happens. We have legitimate injuries and we have um, legitimate concerns for running backs jobs. And the first one that we're going to talk about here is miles Gaskin of the Miami dolphins. And really it's about miles Gaskin, but it's also about Malcolm Brown because um, we, I think we talked about this two shows ago. You said like you're talking about how like you were looking at Malcolm Brown as maybe having more of a role in the Dolphins than what you would have initially thought when you signed there or something along those lines. Pretty much. Were you, were you kind of wary of that? Yeah. So what's the kind of like rundown on that? Do you do you think what's the timeshare? Do you think? for the like for the season um i'm more concerned right now that malcolm brown is going to end up getting the ball first and i think where we really see what miami is thinking is over the next two preseason games this weekend and the following weekend if malcolm brown continues to get the ball first in those preseason games then miles gaskin is in trouble and a guy that originally maybe two weeks ago was being drafted as a top 20 running back was a very popular uh, sleeper pick for a lot of people to outperform kind of where he was being drafted, which is around RB20, RB24, and, and somewhere in that range to potentially push being top 20. Now you're kind of like, eh. But the flip side is you kind of know what Malcolm Brown is. He's a guy who's going to get you, you know, your you're bruising yards, someone who's going to be tough in between the tackles, but isn't going to be as dynamic as someone like Miles Gaskett is. Miles Gaskett is a better pass catcher than Malcolm Brown, which I think is going to be an important part of the overall offensive plan in Miami. I think he's a better runner at this stage of their respective careers than Malcolm Brown is. I, I struggle to see what the coaches see with Malcolm Brown that makes them want to use him as the I guess 1A but it's not it's not confirmed that he is that guy yet it's just based off of trends that we have witnessed over the first preseason games but these two are where it's most important because that's where the starters are going to get more of a run they're going to get more time out there and if it is Malcolm Brown that is the the guy then Miles Gaskin is going to drop like a rock and and as he should but I would also say that I do think that Miles Gaskin will be okay, but it is definitely concerning that Malcolm Brown is is, is getting that amount of work. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that what you're talking about his pass catching upside is really going to help him in PPR. And in, I mean, it's why he's ranked where he is in PPR. I mean, I think the Dolphins. I don't people that are expecting Malcolm Brown to be like the guy by himself on an island 
don't really know how the Dolphins offense was last year because the Dolphins were a committee. Yeah, that's true. So to expect otherwise is kind of foolish. Even though maybe they were forced to be a committee at times because of all the injuries, especially when Miles Gaskin himself was injured, he was on the COVID list for a, for many for a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, even then, like there was still a committee with uh, Salvin Ahmed, DeAndre Washington, um, Jordan Howard was there for like a hot minute. Yeah, Matt Breda. Matt Breda, exactly. It was a mess last year. No, I mean, it, I, yeah. It was a mess. It was a mess. You're 100% right. But at the end of the day, who was the guy that proved to be the most dynamic? It was Miles Gaskin. Oh, now, certainly. If, if the coaches see that Malcolm Brown is more dynamic than Miles Gaskin, then I got nothing. I, I truly got nothing. So he's Malcolm Brown's going to be a pain in the ass, I'm sure. And if people are nervous to draft Miles Gaskin, Say you have a draft this weekend or you have a draft next weekend and Miles Gaskin is falling a little bit. I think it's worth taking the shot on him because I think at the end of the day, the talent's going to separate Gaskin from Brown and Gaskin will be the guy. Now, in terms of going back to your original question of what the, 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 the split may look like, it might be right now, I would probably say projected I have it as 6535 going to Gaskin. If it continues okay. to go in the wrong direction, it's going to get a lot closer to 50-50, which is awful. But right now as I have it, I have it as 6535 going to Gaskin, which for me isn't enough for me to really move Gaskin enough as of now. But these next two preseason games are very important for anyone who's interested in Gaskin or has to make a keeper decision on Gaskin to watch the Miami Dolphins and to kind of see what they do with their running backs. And if, if Malcolm Brown's getting the ball first, Gaskin's going to move. Gaskin is absolutely 100% going to move. And not okay. in the right direction either. I mean, I think that this is kind of one of those guys where – if the situation continues to worsen, then just let somebody else take him. Let him be somebody else's problem. Yes and no, because I kind of look at the, the running backs that are in that range right now. And I say to myself, well, okay, if it's not Miles Gaskin, if, if you're so afraid of the whole committee approach that Miami is going with with Miles Gaskin, then who is it? In, in the range that Gaskin is going, I'm pulling him up on NFC. So he's going right now. This is from ADP over the last 24 hours. Miles Gaskin is down right now at RB 29. He's going in the range of James Robinson committee, Trey Sermon committee, Michael Carter committee, Melvin Gordon committee, Raheem Mostert committee, Damian Harris committee. That's true. So really, you're just picking which guy you think out of that group is going to really break out of the of the committee approach. And for me, the guy that's going to do that is Gaskin, because I think Gaskin is just so much better than than Malcolm Brown is. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe this is all just like a situation where Brian Flores is just like, let's see what we have. With Malcolm Brown, let's see how let's get him reps to get him up to game speed with the offense in preseason. Miles Gaskin already knows the offense, so let's get him. Let's get uh, Malcolm Brown acclimated, and then we can use them both. I I don't know. I'm trying to like no, I, did, I disagree. It. Yeah, I disagree with that argument because I would. I'm, think, tra- I'm stretching here. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely uh, pulling at loose strings. But I appreciate the attempt to rationalize it because I I, I can't the nicest thing I'll ever do for for the Miami the nicest thing I'll ever do for the Miami Dolphins probably rationalize their mess of a running back situation probably because fuck them but uh yeah 
Uh, the other running back that we're going to talk about is a little less high profile, a little lower profile. David Johnson will be high. David Johnson. Yeah, a little bit softer for the only third for the third down back of the Houston Texans. A lot more depressing. Yeah, a lot more depressing for the third down back of the Houston Texans. Oh God, see. Every single year, as as a year as years pass, my take of David Johnson being a one year wonder is more and more correct. Yeah, he is a one year wonder. I would say more like one and a half, but yeah, you you'll get the points on that one. I'll get I'll give you the points there. Um, yeah, David Johnson's a third down back. He's accepted the role. And I'm sorry, I have him at RB34. That's too high. He's going to drop probably down to like RB50. If I mean, what's he, he going to do if he doesn't accept? NFL contracts aren't guaranteed. Nope. Nope, that is true. Which is why the NFLPA is the worst union in sports. I have no comment on the matter. They should, uh, they should look to uh, improve their union. Um. Next to the NHLPA, of course. The second worst union in sports. Oh, of course. Of course. Big, 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 big union expert over here. I'm not a, no, you don't have to be an expert to have an opinion. Big expert. Clearly. Guy's, guy's, guy's an expert. Clearly. If, if these past two years, really the past five years has taught me anything, you do not need, you do not need an expert to have an opinion on things. You do not. I, I mean, you are an expert. You are a radio professional who has multiple degrees at Hofstra University. You are an award-winning journalist who is a part of the 1%, subscribes oh, to the Associated Press, and gets their daily emails. And as we recently discovered on the podcast, you are also a man of, of medicine. Wait, what? I never yes. said that. Yes, you, you, you are a doctor. You are Dr. Caston. You know, there are other types of doctors. Besides medical doctors. Oh, no, no, no. We were, talk- we were talking about medicine. We were talking about injuries. Only which, the one. Yeah. Which made you a man of medicine. No. There's only one pro football doc in the world, and he is Dr. David Chow. Dr. Chow sees Dr. Caster, and he quivers in his boots. I'm not a doctor. Why quivers, is the one- in, quivers in his boots. Why is it the one type of doctor that, is, that is a, it is a crime to impersonate? What's the FBI going to do? Listen to this and come arrest you? No. Well, I'm not actually practicing because I'm not a doctor. You are a doctor. You are a doctor. Thank you for the diagnosis on my name. I really appreciate it. Well, clearly it hasn't been working. Maybe you should go see a real doctor. Mm, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Um, maybe David Johnson should, I don't know. Maybe Dave, maybe David Johnson should should come and check you out. Should go ask for a trade or something. I, I don't know. I mean, what a sorry situation. I mean, with David Johnson being third down back, I guess it's Philip Lindsay. Who's gonna get the ball? Who's getting the ball first? <laughs> Fuck knows. Probably Lindsay. If I put my money on it. God, Houston. Probably gonna Lindsay. Suck. But- They're gonna suck. I mean, I just want people that are like so upset about this. And there are people who are pissed off about it. Let's just say there wasn't Mark Ingram there. Let's just say there wasn't Philip Lindsay there. Or Rex Burkhead. Or Rex Burkhead. Yeah. Let's just say it was David Johnson. Are you really drafting David Johnson? Really? Really? If David Johnson was the only running back of note that the Texans have, I might as a top 20 guy. No. Okay. There you go. Okay. No. Top 24 guy. No. With potentially, I mean, listen, let's be real. It's probably going to be is awful. It's probably going to be either Terod Taylor or Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. I think it's Terod. I think Terod gives him the best chance to win. But they don't win. want win as in not be one in 16. 
Honestly, very real possibility. Yes. But I think that Terod Taylor, you know, gives them the best chance to win, but I don't think the Texans want to win. Well, I mean, they want to win. I don't think like the organization wants to win. No. They no, want they, they to have get, to tear that shit down pronto. They want to get Sam Howell or whoever is the top quarterback in next year's draft. Yep. Agreed. Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, et cetera, et cetera. Spencer Rattler probably makes more sense for them, given, you know, Oklahoma kid. Yeah, but an Oklahoma kid starring in Texas? In the region. Yeah, but don't you know? It's like I, New York I, I and understand Boston. The, you I understand? understand the, yes, I understand the Red River rivalry. Yes, I, I, I completely understand. But in terms of geographically, I think Houston would be more open to a kid that is in a radius of Houston than all the way in North Carolina. And not to mention the history of North Carolina quarterbacks. Not great. Not great because Houston could have ended up with Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. I can't think of any other North Carolina quarterbacks. Um, oh, you're you're asking me to go deep into the memory bank now. Uh, let's let me think. I know that there was one that is. Um. Oh, um, TJ Yates. That's what TJ Yates. TJ Yates. Mm-hmm. Former former backup and starter of the Houston Texans. That's the guy I was thinking of. That's a name. Other than that, I have no. I I couldn't name another uh, UNC quarterback other than yeah. Trubisky. Other than Trubisky, Howell, and um, TJ Yates. Yeah, none of them are really good or drafted recently are you surprised anyway so yeah i the texans are tanking don't draft anybody on the texans besides maybe brandon cooks brandon cook has appeal brandon cook definitely has appeal but it's one of those where it's like you know you really want to be on the sinking ship notice the Houston texans Probably not. I'll tell you what. Houston is going to be a really quick team whenever we do our previews and reviews of start and sit. It's going to be like five seconds. It's like what we did with the Chiefs. The Chiefs is like you start everybody and you don't really sit anybody regardless of matchup. And the Texans is you just don't don't touch them. Absolutely not. You make a fair point. But uh, anyway, Darren Waller, we're moving to, to tight ends here. Darren Waller, he returned to practice on Tuesday with his ankle issue, but he he did miss a few of them with that ankle injury across yeah, the past he, two weeks. He wasn't practicing for the last week. He was yeah on the shelf. So definitely a concern. When I see anybody coming in with an injury, that's a little bit of a concern. For me, I think namely, you know, as we'll probably talk about, Justin Jefferson is another one of those guys where coming in with that shoulder injury, that's a big, big red flag for me. Obviously, then you have negative regression coming into play as well, but then you have two things kind of working against Justin Jefferson. That's a big problem. Darren Waller, he's got a couple things working against him. The injury doesn't help. The high price tag doesn't help for a luxury position. And, you know, you have to be able to, kind of figure out what you want to do with that. Do you really want to go out of your way to take a high-priced guy that's a luxury position who's hurt? Do you really want to do that? No. So really, it's it's either you're going for Kelsey. If you're comfortable with Waller, take Waller, because if, if he is good, he's going to be – if he's good as in healthy, he's going to be great. He's going to be absolutely great. But is he healthy? You know, that, that, that's the problem. And then what do you do after that? Yeah, exactly. But because Darren Wall Darren Waller is still my number my number two. I'd still rather have him over over Kittle right now. Well, the thing about the picking a tight end, a premium position that early, and this is, applies to Kelsey and and Waller and to some extent Kittle, 
is that if they're injured for an extended period of time, then your team could be fucked. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. right fucked. Absolutely correct. Because you're already hampering your team a little bit by drafting a premium position when you could be drafting a core position like a running back or a receiver. That's 100% correct. I I, I couldn't have said that much better myself. So just be careful with that sort of thing, Mm. which is why we're kind of like kind of on the fence about drafting players like Kelsey and Kittle and Mahomes really, really early. I mean, it's a risk and reward. Yes, it certainly is. I'm good with it. If you just understand that you need to be near perfect after that, because I think my example is perfect where I took Kelsey last year on this show where I had, we did the draft live. We did. And I think every pick after that and before was a disaster. Michael Thomas was awful. Kenny Galladay. Then it was Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley. Awful. Awful. My team and my team couldn't survive that. Yeah. My team could not survive that. So you need to just be bang on the money with every pick that you make after you take Kelsey and in this instance, Waller. Exactly. Uh, the last bit of news is Chase Claypool. He suffered a minor ankle sprain on Tuesday. Yeah, he's fine. In practice. He's fine. He's fine. I'm not worried about it. Well, I think a lot of people were kind of like gasping just because they saw that Chase Claypool suffered a minor ankle injury. Then people would be gasping about Stefan Diggs, who's been dealing with a knee injury for the last couple of weeks. Well, people, I'm sure people would be just because of people, people overreact when there is a lot of like football to talk about people kind of really hone in and focus in on practices. Yeah. But Chase Claypool has also played Chase Claypool played the entire first half of the hall of fame game. So yeah, obviously there could be a few bumps and bruises that that come out of that. And then of course he had his second preseason game. They'll be playing four total. I highly doubt that Claypool plays in the next two if he's a little banged up. But Claypool is one of those where it's like he's going he's going in a decent enough spot where I don't think people are going to be too worried about taking a chance on him because I think he does provide that obvious upside that we all definitely see. Uh, let me just look and see where. His well, ADP is right now. Claypool's, Claypool's going 66th overall. I mean, usually start players of note don't play in the last preseason game anyway. Yeah, he'll probably, but he's got two more after this. He's got week, he's got this third preseason game, and then he's got his fourth. Well, that's what I'm saying. The fourth one, I don't think he's going to play. No, no. But normally is when you'd have the starters playing big time big-time minutes would be in the third one. Well, it's the – that's just because it's the second to last one. Yeah. So, really, it would be this week where you might see the starters play more minutes. Yes, correct. Correct. Yeah. Because we have three preseason games now. Yeah, well, they have four. Steelers and Dallas have four because of the Hall of Fame game. Yes. So, they're the ones that got fucked by it. A little bit. All right. So we're going to go position by position, looking at as we always do, as we always do, literally always do. Uh, Looking at birds rankings and we're going to see who rose and who fell the most. So I just want to say that I I updated these ranks last night. So these are fresh off the press. I think they, I could still I could feel the heat coming off of that piece of paper. Good out of the should. printer. Out of the printer from here in Port Washington. You should. All right. So quarterbacks. Yep. Who do you got? Who has risen the most? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers. Hundred percent. I had him at QB twelve just over three weeks ago when I last updated these ranks and now he is up to QB eight 
pushing being QB seven over Russell Wilson. I just think with what Green Bay is going to do, it being the last year of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, they're just going to go. It's going to be an air show in Green Bay. So with guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Devontae Adams, who I also put in the in the big riser category as well. Uh, yeah, that's it, just going to be prime time, must see stuff in, in Green Bay. And that's why I think Aaron Rodgers has got to be um, one of the highest risers that I have, probably in, in, in my entire ranks, I, I would think. That is just someone that is pushing. He's going to push being moved up five spots, which is kind of nuts. I mean, granted, you know, there was the question about whether or not he was going to play. But even when I started out, he was QB nine, QB 10. But now that it's looking like it's just going to be Aaron Rodgers just leading the way. Yeah, he it's really hard to keep him at QB eight. It might be even harder to keep him at QB seven if I make that move. Because I would think of the volume that he's going to get, he's probably going to be pushing a pretty high volume passer, at least how I project it in Justin Herbert. So it really just depends on what your, what your flavor is. I don't think I would move Rogers over Herbert. I don't think I would, but it, it's really close. Really, really close for me. Fantasy pros has uh, Rogers over Herbert. Herbert's eight. Rogers is seven. Okay. And then Russ is six. Yeah. I'm lower on Russ though. I, I've always been. Yeah. I've always been been low on Russ, but I mean, it just, it just comes down to who's around him. I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's neck and neck with Russ versus Rogers. And I I'm almost tempted to move Rogers as, as into my being my QB seven, but I would, I would not push, put Rogers over Herbert. I, I wouldn't. Okay. It, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's preference because of all, because they're practically tied. And I just want—I just want to say that I did move Aaron Rodgers to QB seven. You just did? Yep, I made that change. Okay. Anybody else? Um, Jalen Hurts. Wow, what a shock! Well, you Jalen did Hurts talk about is, how much you liked him. Jalen um, Hurts has made the move. He was sitting at QB thirteen. I moved him up to QB ten. He's a top ten uh, guy for me. I just think the rushing upside is really what helps him. And I, I like him a fair, I've never heard a fair that amount. Before. I like him a fair amount. And I'll I'll give you one more. Um, Lamar Jackson. Just take every every reason you said about Jalen Hurts and apply it to Lamar Jackson. Rushing upside can't has issues with throwing. That's okay. Doesn't really matter when you're a thousand yard rusher. Uh, he's firmly at QB three. I would much rather have Lamar over Dak. I'd much rather have Lamar over Kyler Murray, who we'll talk about. I'm sure in just a Tick away. In five, four, three, two. Who are your biggest fallers? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. It is very hard to keep Kyler Murray as my QB five. Very hard, and I, I, I'll explain why. You're not gonna like where Fantasy Pros has him. Oh, I know. I know. Fantasy Pros has it. Probably has him at three. They do. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. A lot of people have. Lamar, Dak, Kyler grouped together. And I think I talked about this, that they were very interchangeable at one point for me. I just like the rushing upside of Lamar over the high volume passing of Dak. I like the passing volume of Dak over the questions about durability with Kyler. And I don't want to sound like a beat up record at this point. But I have major problems with the size as everybody should. What do you got against short people? I'm, I'm one of them. So you know what? I'm blasting myself, but when you're an NFL quarterback, it's a problem. It's a problem because you're going to get beat up. I look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's built like a brick shit house. Jalen Hurts is built like a brick shithouse. Kyler Murray, is t- he's, he's small. He's small. Now, is he good? Yeah, he's very good. He's very, very good. But there's just so much risk with taking Kyler Murray where we saw it last year. He killed. He single-handedly killed teams come the end of the year. 
And for a guy that Fantasy Pros has the third QB off the board, for me, he's my fifth border borderline sixth. I just I can't take the risk. His projection his projections are good. His projections are very good, but I don't know if he's someone that I'm going to want to just be going gone ho for personally. I mean, if you want if you want to talk about how players are built, I mean, Kyler Murray has is around the same weight as Lamar and Jalen Hurts. Doesn't matter. Well, I mean, just give me Lamar give me the height. Hurt, give me the height difference. Lamar and Jalen Hurts have like three, but they have like three to four inches on him height wise. Kyler Murray's just stockier than than both of those guys. Yeah, but he's tiny, and we've seen Kyler Murray take take hits. It's true. He took that one. He took one hit, and bam, there went there went his season. He wasn't the same after that. I understand. I'm living proof of it. Kyler fucked me. Kyler absolutely fucked me. So you know what? I, I I can't endorse it again. But if he if he comes out and has an MVP type year, I wouldn't be surprised because he's fucking talented. But not my cup of tea. There's too there's too much risk associated with it. I think. Okay. Do you have anybody else, or you want to move on to running backs? Uh, you're looking for fallers? Yes, more fallers. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. I had him as my QB 16. I have him down as my QB 21. That's a name we haven't heard in a long time. We yeah, really we don't talk about him about, much. No. We don't talk about him much, but I, I just think it's universally accepted at this point that, you know, he's kind of over the hill. And I think I have I said it earlier in the offseason, and I'll say it again. I think Big Ben is very good if you're looking for a, like a bridge guy. So let's say you have Joe Burrow. Let's let's just say Joe Burrow is your guy, but you really want to see how Joe Burrow is, and you're looking for a, a bridge quarterback to get you to Burrow, who can hold up for the first week or two. I think that's what Big Ben is. I and think you Big pick Ben Matt is Ryan. A, Big Ben is a great candidate for that. Matt Ryan, like you said, Adam, that's a fantastic candidate for that as well. Matt Ryan, no I mean, I'd rather have Matt Ryan over Big Ben. Yeah, but Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is going to cost you something. Big Ben is going to cost you nothing. Or even Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, I do, I do have higher than or Fitz than Ben Roethlisberger. But Baker Mayfield. Mm, see, I'd rather Big Ben over Fitz. Big Ben, Big Ben, I have at twenty-one. Fitz, I have at twenty-three. So I'd rather Big Ben with Baker Mayfield. He's in a run first offense. His upside is clearly limited with the way that Kevin Stefanski wants to run that offense. Not for me. Not for me. I have Baker Mayfield higher, but that doesn't mean that I love him because I don't. Because I don't. I think the the run first approach that Cleveland has is a major red flag for him. Now, I think with what Pittsburgh ideally wants to do in terms of running the ball is going to be better for Big Ben. I think it's going to take a little bit more pressure off of Big Ben, but you need to understand that it's, it's not going to be before long before Big Ben, you know, kind of, kind of goes back to being old man, Big Ben and father time is undefeated as we all know. Yes. And you know, that that'll be that. But like I said, if you're looking for a bridge quarterback, say, say you're taking a Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence even like a Jalen Hurts, and you just want to see how that pans out before you or really. Justin Fields. You know, Justin really... Fields could be a great. That's a great one, actually. If you think Justin Fields is going to be the starter early on, like I do, then you take Big Ben for the first two or three weeks, play him, and then if Fields is the guy, bam, you're chilling. That's that is a fantastic one, Adam. That, that that's very 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 good. All right, running backs. You got a bird buck. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I wish I could have used it earlier when you accused me of impersonating a doctor. Well, you could have. Anyway. Yeah. So running backs, who are your biggest risers for running backs? I mean, th- this was an interesting position when I actually did this because there were a lot of guys that I'm not, sh- I'm not so sure about, but you know, we, we, we played around with it. We was a couple of uh, trials and errors here, but a uh, big riser for me is 
Ezekiel Elliott. I had him at RB9. He's now sitting wow. at my, as my RB5. What a shock. I've, Homer, Homer, I know. No, I, I think Zeke, I know people are saying, you know, people watching Hard Knocks and I see how good, how good he looks. But I think it just, comes, it just comes down to he has a healthy Dak. The offensive line is healthy. The Cowboys offense should be a lot better than it was last year. And that obviously helps Ezekiel Elliott. And then you look at the guys that are behind him. I would rather him over Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is major question marks. Austin Eckler is major question marks. Uh, Aaron Jones is, you know, Aaron Jones versus Zeke is, is a, a compelling argument. And then Ezekiel Elliott versus Nick Chubb is a very compelling argument. Nick Chubb, I have as my RB6 right behind him. That's another argument that I think is very interesting to have is who, who would you rather have? For me, it's Zeke by that much. They are neck and neck. If someone were to say to me, you know, they'd rather have Chubb over Zeke, I, I I wouldn't, you know, flutter my eyelashes at them at all. Yeah, I think that the thing about Zeke last year and why people were so low on him is probably because after Zach got injured, he was just like, fuck this shit. I'm not doing I'm I don't care. We're not doing we're not going anywhere. You yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, it's very possible that at, at the end of the day. Zeke was just kind of like, I'm done. And it didn't help that he was in Cabo. He was probably having himself a nice time in Cabo, you know, doing his beach workouts, then going for a nice, uh, nice uh, cabana cocktail. You know, I, I, I would too. It's Cabo. I mean, I, contract I holdouts are so much fun, aren't they? A lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of fun. Rich guys showing how rich person. they are just to get yeah. richer. It, it truly is something, but Zeke is RB five. I mean, he's yeah, skinny. He's as skinny as he was in, in college. And I think that's a good sign for him. It's a good sign for anybody that wants to go and invest in Ezekiel Elliott. And it's good for the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, Zeke is my RB five and a riser for me. Isn't that I also want to preface this. I want to preface this before uh, we go on to another one. Zeke has no chance of being in the top four. I just want to put that out there. Well, yeah, I mean, the top four guys are just too good. Yeah, they're they're set in stone. CMC, Dalvin, Henry, Kamara, they're they're set in stone. Isn't it weird that Zeke is as skinny as he was in college when he was drafted five years ago? Yeah, yeah. God, he was drafted five years ago. Crazy. Yeah, Zeke has been in my life for for, for seven years as one of the loves of my life. Oh yeah, well that's true. I was eight. I was eighteen. When I was introduced to Ezekiel Elliott, that's kind of crazy. Anyway, yeah, now I'm old. Now I'm close to thirty. You're almost there, Adam. Listen, let's not let's not put the cart in front of the horse here. Oh, we're we're put we're putting in front of the uh, front of the horse. We're put, putting in front of everybody. I'm only twenty four point nine seven nine eight years old. You're close. You're getting close to thirty. Stop that. You're getting there. I'd rather not think about it until I'm there. Until I'm closer to 30 than 25. 25 rounds up to 30. You don't round up in literally, nobody rounds up their age because that would be awful. Well, 25 is closer to 30 than it is to 20. By laws of mathematics. Anyway, who do you have anybody else? Uh, yeah, you're gonna like this one, Michael Carter. Michael yes, Carter is a huge I riser for me. I had I had him down as my RB35, and I've moved him up all the way to RB29. And I mean, I think he's gonna be the starter. I mean, I don't know, Adam, if you've heard anything given your uh, your attention to the New York Jets, but I, I think Michael Carter is gonna be the starter in. In no time at all. I think maybe Tevin Coleman's the guy that's going to touch the ball first. But I think Michael Carter's going to get a significant run. And I think the New York Jets game plan is probably going to be ride the hot hand. And I have more faith that it's going to be Michael Carter than it is going to be Tevin Coleman, quite honestly. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really heard much or seen much from, uh, you know, Rich Samini and Connor Hughes and whoever, Jake. Talking Jake. about <laughs> Jake, 
uh, talking about who's going to be the starter. But I think that for all intents and purposes, um, Michael Carter has been working with the ones in practice. You know, he was with the first string offense in the preseason against the Giants. And he was pretty good against the Giants in those first couple of series with uh, with Zach Wilson under center. So, yeah, I think that he has the inside track to being the starter. I think he's more exciting, honestly. I agree. I mean, some of those runs that he had were really good. Like, yeah, he, really, he, really good. He looks good. He looks the part. He looks like he's been here before. Yes. Yes. I agree. He looks the part. Like Zach. Like Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson looks like he's been here before, and so does Michael Carter. You're on a first-name basis with Zach Wilson? Zach? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like all my favorite players, like Artemi and Alexi, Jake, David, right? Jose. Jeff, Pete, Jonathan Gregory, Davis. I thought you were going to say, I thought we were going to say polar for, uh, for Pete. No, no, it's, it's Pete. It's Pete. It's just Pete. Michael. Michael. Hmm. Michael. Well, it's a shame that Michael is the best, is the second best Michael in New York. Well, he's actually pretty terrible. And yeah, he's the the second best Michael because the best, best Michael is Michael Stanton. Great guy. The guy who pitched for the Astros. No, 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 no. Michael Stanton plays outfield for the New York Yankees. The guy that was traded from the Yankees to the Mets or the Mets no, 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 to the no, Yankees? No, 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 no. Michael Stanton, current outfielder who has number 27 for the New York Yankees. Well, I mean. Who had a huge soon... RBI single and a bomb home run in the doubleheader yesterday. Let's fucking go, Yankees. Baseball, we're so back. We're so back. Okay, I won't play the clips from a couple of weeks ago. No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I plead to say, talk to my attorney. We're okay. back. We're back. See, we're, we, we're now, harmony is restored. The Mets fans are quiet again. The Yankees fans are in an uproar. There, there, there is harmony. The, the world is healing. I hate it. The world is healing. Thank goodness. Like we freaky Friday back into our original bodies. We did. Yes, absolutely. New York Yankees back. Anyway, well, definitely that, listen to I, the Basement Talk podcast. We're recording it Wednesday night. It'll be out on Saturday. Uh, Jake and I will be going absolutely nuts about the New York Yankees if you want to listen. Yeah, well, Michael Conforto will soon not be the second best Michael in New York because he's a Scott Boris client. Uh, yeah, he's he'll be he'll be leaving. Fuck out of here. He'll he's be signing a two hundred million dollar deal somewhere. Good for him. Not I wish him New all York the Mets. best. Um, I wish him all the best. Speaking of, before we go into the fallers, um, I do want your opinion on something. Um, your owner bashing yeah, your lineup. How do you, how do you feel about this? Well, it's not, you know, Jeff Wilpon would never say something like that. No, and that's Jeff Wilpon wouldn't even know the Mets are losing quite frankly. Yeah. Well, that's no, he would know, but he'd be like, well, now I have to, I have to meddle even more. It would be right. all behind the scenes. Fred fair. Wilpon would be like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Fair, fair. fair. Fred Wilpon would not know what the hell's going on. Yes, that's fair. Go invest more money in Ponzi schemes so we can keep paying Bobby Bonilla for fifty million years. <laughs> but you never answered my you never answered my question. Oh, answer my well, question. How, how think, do we feel about your owner bashing a lineup? Well, I'm I'm two ways about it. For one, I think it's nice that somebody's doing it because clearly Luis Rojas isn't doing it. Because True. as as nice of a person he is, and I'm sure he's a great players manager, but he's not calling out his players to the media. And he, you know, no, you wouldn't expect that though. No, we're well, not first even time that. manager. No, I wouldn't expect that. Well, not even that just saying we're not good enough. Like he's, he's just saying, well, you know, we're, we're just trying really hard and it's not working, but like I he's think trying, he would... he's trying to skate around the point. Dave Roberts, I think would do that because Dave Roberts has at least some cred. Yeah, Luis Rojas is in his first year of being a manager. So it's like, you know, what ground does he really have to stand on besides being manager of the New York Mets? Not not much. Uh, Before we move on to the the fallers, I just want yes or no. Does Luis Rojas retain his job next year? Yes or no? Probably not. Okay. I was going to say the same. 
I like him. I mean, some of his decisions are kind of mind-boggling, but he's he, learning. He's learning on the job. He wasn't the choice. He wasn't the choice. It so it's Beltran. like you know, it was supposed they're, to be Beltron, but right, it was supposed to be Beltron, which would have been probably worse, frankly. Probably, because at least Luis Rojas knew the players because he managed a bunch of them in the minor leagues. Right. It's There's not like a familiarity a, there. It's not like he's a first-time baseball manager or even professional baseball manager because he's managed in the minors and he has all that experience managing in the minors. I just, I, you know, if, if he gets fired or he leaves or whatever, you know, I would never wish ill will against him. No, like I would against Adam Gaze, but I just hope the Mets, if Luis Rojas leaves, then they get an actual proven manager manager. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Fallers. Fallers. Uh, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. He was my RB12. He is now my RB16. Oh my. A couple things. A couple things for me. It, it, it's sad because I look at it and I say that Joe Mixon should be in a prime spot to deliver. He's got three down back responsibilities. So he'll be on the field for pass catching, which should help him in theory, number one. Number two, he's going to be in a backfield where there literally is no competition behind him. That's something that I think a lot of people need to understand is that Joe Mixon, there is going to be absolutely nobody behind He may actually be the one guy on any team, maybe with the exception of Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, where there is just absolutely nobody behind Joe Mixon that can even come close to challenging him for a role. Giovanni Bernard is gone. He was that guy. Now Giovanni Bernard is in Tampa Bay. Joe Mixon's going to be there by himself. The offensive coordinator is saying that Joe Mixon's going to be on the field as much as humanly possible. Fantastic. Great news. But, but do you trust that? No, no, because Joe Mixon couldn't stay healthy when he was a two down back, let alone a three. That's a problem. That's a massive, massive fucking problem. And then if you really want to just, if you want to throw up, if if you are planning on going for Joe Mixon, I'll give you, we'll do a little, a a little uh, schedule analysis here. Let's have a look at his schedule after the buy. Shall we? Oh, it's fucking atrocious. It's awful. They're at Las Vegas. Fine. At home versus Pittsburgh. Horrific. At home versus the Chargers. Yeah. At home versus the 49ers. Horrific. At Denver. Awful. At home versus the Ravens. Absolutely awful. Then at Kansas City. Okay. If you even get, if you even get to week 17, where you're in a championship where Joe Mixon's going against the Chiefs, then, okay, great. Then maybe you have a shot. Maybe you have a shot there. I mean, (laughs) he's got, after that bye, he's got one, two, three, four, five matchups that are no-goes. You are considering, you're you're having a debate on whether to start a guy you're spending a second-round pick on. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the not only is this the argument that he made last time where he's playing six games against the three best rushing defenses in the AFC, which is already a problem. Yeah, he's but, up against two of the best that are in his own division. And then Cleveland's very good in their own right. Yes. So that's six matchups right there where you're immediately saying, fuck, do I start Joe Mixon? And then you look at the rest of that and you say, Fuck him by starting Joe Mixon. So he probably has nine of 17. He has more than half of his games where you're going to say, am I starting Joe Mixon? Mm. Also, also, the yeah. Bengals are going to suck probably again. Yeah. Yeah. And Zach and, Taylor's probably going to lose his job. And that game against Kansas City, sure, the defense might be vulnerable against the run. But in what scenario... Uh, is Joe Burrow going to be handing the ball off to Joe Mixon late in that game? Probably no scenario whatsoever. 
in what universe are is Joe Mixon going to be getting like 15 to 20 carries in that game? Hey, Tyree killed Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Rizalera, Week 17 championships in Cincinnati. That's going to be. Oh, no. They're, are, they, are they in Cincinnati or are they home? They are in Cincinnati. Yeah, they're in Cincinnati. They're on to Cincinnati. They're on to Cincinnati. They're on to Cincinnati. I mean, holy shit. Yep. And then if you're weird and you have week 18 championships, then they get to go to Cleveland. Yep. So there you go. Don't be weird. Don't have week 18 championships. That's the first thing. The second thing is just don't trust Joe. I, I don't know. I liked Joe Mixon. But all of this additional information has maybe gone go completely sour on him. Yeah, just I'm because not, I'm, I'm not crazy about it. I'm not drafting him. I'm not drafting him. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, another, I mean, those ro- that road trip, even that road trip from six week six to eight, and heading into the bye, if you want to count week nine as well, is kind of daunting. It He's, is. At Detroit, which is whatever, they might be better. At Baltimore, at the Jets versus Cleveland. Yeah. Those are three defenses that could be pretty good this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, daunting. It's daunting. And you, I, I would rather avoid the headache of having to figure out whether or not you're going to start Joe Mixon every week. And we're playing the Jets on, I mean, we're playing the Bengals on Halloween. Halloween's a Sunday this year. Can you believe that? Yeah, a lot of people are going to be watching football hungover. Well, they're going to be watching Monday Night Football hungover. Well, they have work the next day. Who's having a Halloween party on a Sunday night? I don't know. People who have parties on Halloween. Uh, whatever. People that don't work. People that don't work. People that work at night. People that work at night, yeah, I guess. It's good for me. True. Very true. Um, Another faller for me, Mike Davis. And I kind of touched on it on the mock draft. I had him as my RB19. He's now my RB23. I just think he screams classic round four, round five bust. Guy that uh, kind of stumbled into a great situation last year with Christian McCaffrey being out for the majority of the year, all but three games. Uh, Mike Davis was admirable in that role, kind of lost his luster a little bit towards the end there. And I think this is just another really good, example of Mike Davis going into a situation that is really he's kind of a you know he's kind of that circular peg that they're trying to fit into the square hall I know it's square peg circular hall but I'm going opposite so Adam I know you're gonna you know you were gonna correct me on it so no it's fine you were good you were gonna do it but it just it, it emphasizes the point it's ass backwards I'm not picking I'm not picking this hill to die on it's ass backwards. It is completely ass backwards for me that, you know, Mike Davis is going to be in a situation where, yeah, it, it, on paper, it's nice. Arthur Smith running back, Arthur Smith being the former office coordinator for Derrick Henry. It's it, it sounds nice, but Mike Davis is nowhere near a Derrick Henry. And then, you, and then you realize you're equating Mike Davis to Derrick Henry, and then your entire logic falls apart. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. So... Yeah, Mike Davis, uh, no go for me. Okay, wide receivers. This should be interesting. Wide receivers a fun position to project, isn't it? Yeah, who are, it is. biggest, who are your biggest risers? Um, I mean a big a big riser for me is Brandon Ayuk. I have him as my wide receiver twenty one. Was at my wide receiver twenty nine. I I can't stop moving him up. I absolutely love him. Abs- it's a love affair. It's a love affair. He, he is, he's my son. He's don't one of my you, children. Don't let James Winston know. He's one of my children. Well, I love James Winston. Great guy. But yeah, Brendan Ayuk is wide receiver 21. I have him over Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, T. Higgins. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want a lot of that. Okay. And the I next mean, one. I agree. Next one, feast your ears. Wait, the, the wait, that's a weird. No, that's not how the ADM goes. I just said that I wasn't going to pick that hill to die on, but I, I just can't stop correcting you. What Go the ahead. fuck? It's feast your eyes. 
Oh, excuse me. Or okay. open your ears. Close your fucking ears. I wish I could. No, I, I saw that eye roll, Adam. That was that was shocking. I felt the ground shake beneath me. This man. Well, I last time I updated my, my ranks with my wide receiver fifty three. He's my biggest mover by a lot, by a lot. He's now my wide receiver 35 and moving upward fast. He's a man that we've talked about in the past that perhaps you, um, when you play full point PPR, you do sleep better at night when you have this man. Oh, no. It is Antonio Brown. He was at 53? He was at 53 for for me. Mm Mm-hmm. I was not a huge fan, but all of the noise coming out of Tampa Bay is Tom Brady is just feeding Antonio Brown. Are you sure that noise isn't just police sirens? That's that's disgusting. That's disgraceful. That's wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Alleged police sirens. Rogue podcast host again. Unbelievable. <laughs> You're trying to take us off the air. Terrible. I mean, I... he's around Tyler Boyd. Cortland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Jerry Judy. And then it gets to top 30. He could very easily be pushing top 30 receiver for me. And I I absolutely love him. Antonio Brown on Fantasy Pros is smack at 40. Smack dab at 40. I'm higher than most. Yes. What's his highest rank on Fantasy Pros? I'm curious. His high, oh, uh, let me see. Why is it? That's weird. It doesn't say, oh, here we go. Yeah, it usually high, says on the side. His best is 41. 41? No. Hold on, now I need to look. Uh, let's see. Because now I'm curious. He is. For some reason, it doesn't say. His consensus is, oh, yeah. Okay, here it is. So, uh, Mike Wright has him at 34. Uh, Dan Glaskins has him at 34. Tim Brosnan has him at 33. Jacob Gibbs has him at 31. Trying to see if there's anybody that has him higher than 31. All right, that's just ridiculous. Hussein Shabazz has him at 18. That's, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Okay, there we go. Bill Enright has him at wide receiver 29. Daniel Matter has him at wide receiver 24. Lawrence Jackson has him at wide receiver 28. Okay, Ringo has him at wide receiver 18 as well. Craig Phillips, wide receiver 29. Dennis Sosich has him at wide receiver 60. That's disgraceful. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that is going to be targeted by a lot of different people because name value, because of the fact that he plays with Tom Brady, he's a Tom Brady receiver, and Tom Brady absolutely fucking loves him. So Antonio Brown is a huge riser for me. Okay. Now it's time for fallers. Yes. Uh, a faller for me is Kenny Galladay. I had him as my wide receiver 21. He is now my wide receiver 29. He's hurt with the same hamstring that he hurt last year going into the season. Boo. No, thank you. Boo. Why? It's too obvious? No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm doing my impression of a Giants fan. Oh, you're doing a Giants fan impression. Okay. Well, fuck Boo. you. Well, fuck you. Because Daniel you are Jones John- is the Daniel Jones is the future. Oh wow, he's the future. He's the future. He's a starting quarterback for the future of the New York Giants. He's gonna win us two Super Bowls like Eli. He kind of looks like Eli, so he must be Eli. And he kind of talks like Eli too. He talks like him. He talks like him. He does talk like him. I bet he drinks Dan- coffee like him too. Does Daniel Jones drink his coffee like him? Does he walk his dog like him too? He likes his coffee just like Eli likes his coffee. When Daniel Jones sleeps at night, when he after he walks his dog, drinks his coffee, does he open the windows like like Eli Manning does? 
No, he's from the south. I didn't think he opens his winders. He his opens winders? the winder. His winder. The winder. His winders? No, well, he's in New York now, so he needs to say windows. He needs to say windows. Does he like to have a, a nice cold glass of water before he sleeps? Oh, he loves his water. Let me tell you. He <laughs> loves his water. He loves his water. All right, so, so fallers for me. We have Kenny Galladay. And then the next guy is Justin Jefferson. I hyped it up. Justin Jefferson is my wide receiver seven. He's now my wide receiver 11. Boo. Injury. Injury and negative aggression. He's, he's the next Randy Moss. Oh, Justin he's the next Jefferson. Randy Moss? Oh, okay. Then he's got to be more my wide receiver one. Then I apologize. Has there to you be. Go. Sorry. Sorry there, uh, voice of popular opinion. My wide receiver 11. Apology I, accepted. I won't be drafting Justin Jefferson at all. Abby won't either. I'll break the fourth wall. Abby will not be drafting Justin Jefferson. So you need to realize the greatness of the next Randy Moss. Abby clearly is not realizing it. Okay. How dare you go against the consensus? You I'm, of your I'm own opinion. I'm square against the consensus. How dare you have your own separate opinion? I know. Shocking. And you're not with the hive mind of fantasy football. I, I actually am allowed to disagree. It's 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 kind of crazy. You know, just fuck you. It's kind of crazy that I am I'm allowed to disagree. So is Abby. True, true, very true. All right, let's go to tight ends. Yes. Is this a, a hard position for you to do rankings for? Very, very. Because I think the tight end position in general just sucks. I've never heard that one before. Yeah. Um, a riser for me, someone that was sitting at my tight end 25, who's now my tight end 20. I'm going with Adam Troutman of the New Orleans Saints. That's a name. Yeah, someone who has not been talked about enough at all. But with Michael Thomas now going to be on the shelf, there are a ton of available targets in, in New Orleans. And I think Adam Troutman could be one of those guys that – we end up talking about could be pushing being a tight end one for fantasy football. He I truly believe one it. career touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. But Jared cook is no longer there. Michael Thomas is not in the picture for now for the, for at least the first couple of weeks. So it's really going to be just a bunch of guys. that are going to be piecing together the pass catching department for the new Orleans saints, Alvin Kamara and then everybody else really. And I think Adam Troutman can kind of come out of his shell and become the number two option in the past game for the saints until Michael Thomas inevitably returns. I have a fun, almost impossible. There's no way you can guess which game did Adam Troutman score his touchdown in. Was it against Atlanta? It was not against Atlanta. You're close though. Tampa Bay. Yes. Fuck. I was going to say Tampa Bay first. Do you know which Tampa Bay game it was? It was in Tampa Bay. It was the 38 to three game. Yes. I was working that night. That was fun. That was a fun game. When you got to see Tom Brady get embarrassed on Sunday night football. Yes. But who, who knew it the... would just be their super villain origin story. Stupid fucking team. But who got the last laugh? They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. In case you're minded. No, I didn't actually. I really <laughs> just don't know. Don't stop reminding me. <laughs> um, my other riser that I'm going to uh, point out, Logan Thomas. He was sitting at my tight end 15. He's now my tight end 11. Adam made the point, and I've been sitting on it. I've been sitting on it for a while. Ryan Fitzpatrick loves his tight ends, and I think Logan Thomas is going to be pretty – is going to be a primary beneficiary of that. Now, I don't think Logan Thomas is going to be a 60-65 catch guy, but he can be He can be a 50-catch guy with 8-9 touchdown upside, I believe. So, yeah, Logan Thomas is a tight end one. Yeah, I'm, I'm on that. I'm on that bandwagon. So, I I'll give credit to Adam on that one for uh, for opening my eyes to it. Oh, thanks, Bird. You're welcome. I don't give you credit very often, but this one I'll give I'll give you credit for. No, no, you do not. And anyway, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's it. Oh, I was gonna say just uh, fallers that I have. Uh, Kyle Pitts. I mean, of course. Not a huge, not a huge shock. I had him as my tight end six. He's now my tight end nine. 
not a fan, not a fan. I won't be drafting him personally. So, I mean, we don't need to talk about that uh, much further. And Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram, I had as my tight end 13. He is now my tight end 18. I want no part of Mr. Evan Ingram, even in a contract year. I want no part. All right. Well, that's really it. Um, Next week we're doing, I mean, Monday, Monday, we're doing something. You're going to talk about your draft, I assume. Yes. So what we're going to do on Monday is we're going to do a draft review. We're going to look at my team. We're going to look at uh, the draft as a whole, see what kind of trends uh, came out of that and what we can kind of take going into our draft on Tuesday when we do the Cologne draft live on the podcast. And then, you know, just kind of going from there. I think maybe maybe Wednesday what we'll end up doing is um, – doing a mailbag because there are some mailbag questions that we have so we can do a quick little mailbag and then from there we're closing out the regular season so you know we'll be gearing up for week one previews we'll be gearing up for uh the waiver shows the call-on series so it's gonna be there could be a lot of content coming out on the uh on the pod yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting stuff yeah we'll be all right well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of everything under the Basin Talk Podcast family wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host at Birdsall, I am Adam Caster, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.